Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's give it a shot. All right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, tonight we got them. Goldie, the Sulk, and JC. And it starts right now. Sound the alarm. The guest host alarm. (laughs) We don't know if we like that as listeners. I'm going to give this a joint. First joke of the day. First joke of the day. (laughs) Yes. All right. That that takes so much pressure off already. I know. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I was up all night last night worrying about that. (laughs) Welcome, everybody, to a typical disgusting display. It's episode number 99. Woo! For those of you who have listened before, and I'm sure at least a few of you have, the other voice you're hearing out there besides JC Hello. is our co-host, Aaron Lee. Yay. Now, you, you've been hearing some promos to the contrary, and we're going to explain. But first of all, before we get there, JC, where the fuck are Alec and Goldie? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think they're just at home, <laughs> just hanging out, taking a See, break. See, I was under the impression they were going on a vacation. Yes. Well, originally, the concept was when Alec was going on his vacation for his 50th birthday, you know, we were thinking, let's get a guest host. We asked you to do it. You said yes. And then I had also had this idea of doing a best of episode and started working on it. And I just said, why don't we just do that? Sort of taking the burden off of your shoulders. But right. then we did release this best of episode. And afterwards, <laughs> Alex said, so we should find a week when Scully can still guest host the show. And I was, was surprised by that. Yeah, and, in, in addition to a best of. Right, in addition to a best okay. of. And he said, well, we already asked him. It's the professional thing to do would be to keep our word. Yeah. Because if yeah. Alec is if Alec is anything, it's all about being professional. <laughs> but I think that was the idea. It was like we've already asked him, we can't really go back on our word. So oh. uh, wow. so so he was worried I might be offended if I didn't get the opportunity 
to do something I really didn't want to do for no money at all. Uh, exactly. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm here. And like I said, uh, I know the last couple of weeks you've heard um, that John Viner would be the co-host. And a couple of weeks ago, they promoted and it seemed kind of playful. They were doing kind of a playful outrage that right. I had asked uh, Viner to co-host. And then I listened last week, and the playful outrage seemed to be turning to genuine outrage. <laughs> well, at least from Alex. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He seemed to be getting kind of like really pissed about the whole thing. <laughs> and I wondered, you know, had I crossed a line? I don't know the, the history of this uh, friendship, but we're going to find out today. But I wonder if I had crossed a line with the guys. And I thought, well, maybe I went too far because I didn't check with them first. And I thought, well, do I apologize? Do I just, you know, cancel John? <laughs> or do I elevate him to special guest star of the episode? <laughs> yes. so, Good call. <laughs> that seemed like the way to go. Uh, yeah. So we can really dig into this uh, alleged friendship right. today. And uh, so joining me today as co-host, Joan and JC and I, is Aaron Lee, who is an amazing comedy writer. You know him Aww. from... Family Guy and Superstore and they, they don't know me from. They don't, you don't know. <laughs> they don't know who I am. You don't know him from. Wow. By the way, I don't think I don't think I ever identified myself. No, this is Mike Scully, by the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You would. You don't have to introduce yourself because every week Alec and Goldie find a way to kiss your ass on this podcast. Every week, oh Mike Scully, the greatest. Oh my God, they all know who you are. It's not every week. I, I've written down the episodes where they didn't mention me. <laughs> anyway, so Aaron and I met on uh, a show called The New Normal. And if you don't remember, it was a Ryan Murphy show. It was Ryan Murphy's kind of first foray into comedy. And Aaron and I were on the staff there. And uh, it was an interesting experience. I've always been kind of fascinated with Ryan Murphy. I think for all writers, there's a little mystique yeah. around Ryan and his process and Everything. So, Aaron, I don't know, any like fond memories of our days in the room there? Well, I was thinking when you say the mystique around him, he is a he's an amazing guy because he's had multiple periods of having multiple hit shows. Yeah. Yeah. Like like he he's always got four shows and three of them are hits. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. always. And we were on the one that was not a hit <laughs> of the four. But he was he was doing Glee, American Horror Story our show, and actually a reality show spinoff of Glee. Remember, all at the same time. Oh, wow. I didn't yes. know that. Yes. And he's literally, we're in the uh, like a bungalow at Paramount on the second floor, and he's literally running downstairs to the first floor where American Horror Story is, and then running over to the Glee offices, and then running wow. up to our office. Wow. And and it was real insanity. Wouldn't you say, Mike? It's one of the crazier shows I've been Oh, on. yeah. And the, the showrunner, um, Ali Adler, would get text. We were constantly being apprised of Ryan's whereabouts, how close he was getting <laughs> to our room, ETAs of his arrival in the room. Oh, my God. Uh, things like that because his schedule was that tight. It was probably as close as we'll get to the White House, I would wow. imagine. Um, it, when you talk about that, what's Ryan's ETA thing, Mike? I always remember one, one day pretty late in the production when it gotten a little crazy and people were tense and Ellen Barkin called me a cocksucker. I always <laughs> like handed me back the script she'd been handed and said, you read this shit, cocksucker, <laughs> and walked away. So I was like, oh, it might, it might be some tense, uh, tense oh feelings God. here. 
You boy, you, you never sorry. forget the first time Ellen Barkin calls you cocksucker. I think I, <laughs> anybody in show business. You remember when you get I your, know you get your first joke in the script, and when Ellen Barkin calls you cocksucker, and, and when Betty White tells you to suck my dick. Those two things. <laughs> those uh, two hand in hand. Those, yeah, yeah. And Aaron, you had a like you had an unusual way into becoming a writer. I, it, I don't know what you're talking about. I was on the Harvard Lampoon and yeah. uh, Conan. Uh, really liked my stuff and uh no yeah that is true i uh my first job in la when i was 21 years old was working for hustler magazine for which is a pornographic magazine published by the late larry flint right and um oh i thought it was yeah. a run i thought it was a runner's magazine no <laughs> no no oh, hustle everybody um yeah no if i i'm a friend of mine i was i was living in kentucky and I was writing, you know, what they called a fanzine, a little Xerox magazine. And a friend of mine got a job at Hustler. He moved to L.A. And he said to Larry, I know a guy in Kentucky. And Larry said, "Get move him out here. Never read anything I wrote. <laughs> oh, just said, like, he's from Kentucky. Get him out here. And I was the humor editor for Hustler magazine. Wow. Which, yeah. Which was, inc which was uh, incredible training for Hollywood, as I've thought about. Because first of all, <laughs> first of all, I was, as humor editor, my job was like, a movie would come out like Bridget Jones' Diary, and I would pitch Bridget Jones' Diarrhea, you know. Or so it was. It was great training for yeah, Family Guy, basically. Totally. And then, and then I would have to go pitch jokes to Larry sitting in his wheelchair with his giant bodyguard with his gun strapped to him, standing behind him. It was terrifying. And I. And so, anytime I would, my agent would go like, "Yeah, you're gonna go in with Ryan Murphy to meet with him. You know, he can be kind of intimidating." I'd be like fucking bullshit yeah i had to pitch to i had to pitch to a pornographer with a guy with a gun standing behind i think it'll be okay yes i think i'll be i think i'll be all right but, yeah but yeah i did that for i did that for four years and uh wow. and then um uh and then i i quit i was doing stand-up and I quit and I went upstairs and they said, uh, you have to tell us why you're leaving in three words or less. That was the thing. And I thought about it and I said, moment of clarity. That was my Ooh. exit interview. And, uh, wow. and then uh, went and had about 20 years of therapy to get over it. And uh, here we are. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, anyway, well, speaking of things that will leave you needing therapy, <laughs> I think it's time to get into Johnny Jokes. And now, here's Johnny Guest Host Jokes. <laughs> wow, was that the actual Ed McMahon, Mike? Did you get him? For, who was that? It certainly looks like him, but uh, <laughs> that, that was our special guest star, John Viner, but we're not giving him our guest star billing yet. He's going to join us for Johnny Jokes today. Yes. So All these right. are Johnny Guest Hosts. Jokes, and I already forgot who we said is going first. John, John's you're going, going first. first. Uh, sure, I I don't even know what this is, but I'll try. <laughs> so Johnny Carson would do a joke about present things if he was alive. Here we go. Uh, 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 singer <laughs> BB Rexa, uh, she got hit in the face with a phone by a fan this week. Uh, when asked why the fan did it, he claimed he thought she was Naomi Campbell's assistant. <laughs> well done, very current. Assistant. <laughs> And I'm, I'm told you don't have to stick to the Johnny format, so I'm going to try try a, a norm for you. Uh, 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 
you know, you know, I'm a, hey, hey. Yeah, so so uh, Pat Sajak uh, is going to re- retire after like 40, 41 years as the host of Wheel of Fortune. I mean, 41 years is a, a huge run for this guy. I mean, Pat Sajak, is a, he's a legend in the business. Uh, when asked for comment, uh, actor Bruce Willis said, who? <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> I didn't say it. That was just uh, you know, that, that was, was norm. norm. That's a, a norm great. joke. I would never say that. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go second, and um, awesome. this this is a David Letterman yeah. guest nice. guest hosting the show, and and Paul is there for some reason too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and these are contemporary jokes done by people as if they were guest hosting the Tonight Show now. All right. So. Okay. Uh, Chantus Anita Baker. Uh, is that the right word, Paul? Chantus? Am I using? Uh, I'm not calling her a whore, am I? Because that's just <laughs> the kind of bonehead thing I would do. Is it Chantus, Paul? Uh, yes. Uh, Chantus. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, uh, Chantus Anita Baker has fired Kenneth Babyface Edmonds as opening act on her current tour. You heard right. Anita Baker has aborted Babyface. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we've had Alzheimer's and abortion already. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Fortunately, it was only six weeks into the tour, so she's okay legal. Oh, Come on now. <laughs> All right, next up, Joan Rivers. <laughs> oh, oh, gotta do that first. <laughs> Oh, the National Comedy Center is going to display all the jokes I wrote and kept in my office drawers. I'm so excited. People finally want to get in my drawers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Is that hope? All right. And last uh, is Jerry Lewis. Oh, wow. A 76-year-old woman who was declared dead at a hospital started knocking on her coffin during her funeral. Yelling, hello, there's a lady in the box and she's still breathing. (laughs) Yes. That was your best impression, Mike. That was it. Those were awesome. Uh, Aaron Lee. And now we get to compare. Here's all my Johnny guest host uh, impressions. The same thing. So we'll start with Letterman. And and if if I need a Paul, you got to do it, Mike. Oh, all right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, my oh my. Uh, doctors operating on a man in Sri Lanka have removed the world's largest kidney stone, which was the size of a grapefruit. Uh, when reached for comment, the man's urethra said, Phew, phew, Paul. Yes, phew. <laughs> okay, Gary Shandling. Okay, uh, Gary Shanling. Okay, how's my hair, Mike? How's my hair? Is it all right? Uh, the Teamsters Union has authorized a strike for UPS workers. And, you know, I hope they get everything they want. U- UPS drivers are my heroes. Without them, I would have had to buy my penis pump in person. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, here's my Joan Rivers. Oh, wait, wait, what did you do? Oh. You know how I was doing? I was doing like, oh, 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 Ozampic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I had a little dice in there, too. Oh, 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 who's who's the musician? 
Who's a musician who has sex with all the women? Taylor Swift. It, what's his name? John Governor? John Co- Councilman? What's his name? Mayor. Mayor. That's it. John Mayor. John Mayor and Andy Cohen. They say they feel like they're in love because they share a friendship so deep. Just don't share a Diet Coke with him, Andy. Ugh, he's disgusting. I, I swear. I sang along to a John Mayer song once. I got gonorrhea from having his words in my mouth. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> And then finally, <laughs> finally, our last joke. I, and I mean, I can't believe you didn't do it, Mike. It's a Jay Leno. Can't believe you didn't do it, Jay Leno. The king of the guest hosts. Uh. Guest hosted more than anyone. Tonight show, Jay Leno. Yeah, did you see this? You see this, everybody? Okay, uh, a million Americans' personal data was exposed in a global hack. And speaking of global hacks, I'm Jay Leno. <laughs> <laughs> Great oh, job, right. guys. That was Man, incredible. The wheel of impressions. Yeah, quite a quiver of <laughs> characters there. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. All right. And the fun is going to continue now yes. with our very, very special guest star. Yes. And best friend to Alex Elkin and Goldie. Uh, you know him from Family Guy and Dads and Roasts and the marvelous Mrs. <laughs> Maisel Faisal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, actor, writer, what else, John? Performer. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've, yeah, I've, that's about it. No, I mean, I've directed some shorts. I, uh, I've, I've worked in a shoe store. Talented musician, uh, talented piano I, player, I, saxophone I, player. That's right. I, I, I keep, I keep a lot of instruments around. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's basically my music. I, I figure if I buy enough guitars, I'll get good. Right. <laughs> the more the better. It's like, it's like Goldie. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but he actually practices. So it's John Viner, everybody. Yeah. John Viner, yeah. The man who was asked to be a part of this podcast today. Thank you. Only this one, which I I still don't know why this is happening. Yeah, we're going to get into all that stuff, John. But first of all, we want to talk career-wise with you. I mean, so the audience has a chance to to get to know uh, John Viner. So uh, tell us a little bit about childhood and uh, your comedy influences, that kind of stuff. I, I wasn't I wasn't necessarily like uh, dancing for my parents' attention. You know, I, I you know, my, my father worked very long hours. And uh, I, I think the you know, I, I think that there's a, a funny element to just being a kid. Your problems are never important. So it was just there was like whenever yeah. if I was like, hey, I'm getting you know, I'm getting bullied at school and, you, you know, like and I'm having a lot of trouble. And he'll be like, you think that's, tr- you know, tough. Right. You know, try <laughs> dealing with a seven hundred million dollar lawsuit all day. It's like, <laughs> Oh, all right. Yeah, I guess. I guess how I'm not. You, okay. So yeah. How my, did you make that funny? You just <laughs> so you're just like, all right. I guess yeah, you win. I don't know. Um. So it was fine. I mean, like one of the funnier. I I don't have any ill will towards growing up. It's just I sort of went away to camp in the summers, and then I wound up going. So I wasn't really around that much after the age of 14, and I definitely was an e- not an easy child to deal with because I had a lot of energy, like most kids, and I wasn't Boys, running around actually. enough because yeah. I lived in New York City. So, uh, you know, my sister had basically, my, my name was get out of her room. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, like, even, even when I was, uh, like it was 2008, we were at uh, family guy. We wound up doing a bunch of live shows where we would read all the stage directions and Seth and Alex Borstein would get up and sing and, and, uh, you know, Mila would be on stage and I would read the stage directions and do some of the smaller parts, but we did Carnegie hall in New York and my parents live, you know, very close by, or at the time you know, they were living very close by. 
and they were planning to go to Florida. And I said, well, you know, you sh- you can come. I'm, I'm performing at Carnegie, Carnegie. Hall. <laughs> and my father goes, well, it's not like it's your show. <laughs> oh, my God. So Dad. They, they did not come to see me. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, I love them and they've given me some comedy and, and right. humility. Right. Right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll edit that part out. <laughs> no, but they, they, they taught me to learn, for you know, that I'm, I'm not going to get validation at home. So go make jokes and hopefully somebody will like you somewhere. <laughs> it's worked yeah and john did you want to be like the impression guy like when you were you know upset did you were were you looking at performers comedians like rich little and was that was that the way in for you because you became such a talented impressionist? well i know i i mean i i think impressions are just the the fun part to do because it's like you know when you're making fun of teachers i mean alec and i when we were in high school you know we did a bunch of audio tapes where we would imitate mostly teachers but we play it for the entire assembly right? because someone would say, hey, you know, we're having the the Latin club is meeting. Can you please, you know, do an announcement that the Latin club is meeting at 7 p.m. in this room? And then we, so awesome. you know, pick a teacher and be like, I, if you, you know, there's a there's a, a teacher who was constantly clearing his voice and and had, had a red nose. We, we I mean, if you if you do the math, maybe there was a yeah. flask somewhere. But I mean, just a wonderful guy. Uh but it's just, you know, like you just you do this impressions, but you get a laugh out of that. And then, you know, for me, I, I just I for a long time really wanted to be an actor and still want to be an actor. And hopefully one day I'll get the chance. But, uh, <laughs> but the voice stuff, at least you can be in a T-shirt and flip flops yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're in and out. So, uh, yes. uh, but yeah, like I still I still in, enjoy acting. Uh, it's just that was that was the main thrust was that you like you get on stage, you do five minutes of stand up and then they give you a boatload of money and then life is okay. And that, that, that happens for some people. Like, for example, Alec and I started doing standup on the exact same day we went to open mics and that's how we met Goldie. Uh, oh, awesome. But, you know, our, our friend Arden Marine that we went to high school with had been doing standup for like three weeks longer than we had. And she's like, you guys gotta do standup. And she's a very talented actress and successful. <laughs> yeah. So she, yeah. she was like, yeah, you gotta come do it. It's the greatest. So she did standup a handful of times and then landed an NBC sitcom. Back in the days when like landing an NBC sitcom was, you know, the equivalent of a mansion, Uh, (laughs) even if it goes off the air because, Uh, yeah. uh, so it was like, holy crap. She's like, you guys got to do this. So I, we both went into it and like after eight years of doing standup full time, I think I made a grand total of $4,000 and, and was never on TV once. Uh, until Alec, Alec actually helped uh, introduce me at the Late Late Show, and so I got to do stand up on uh, when Craig Kilborn was hosting the Late Late Show. Oh, so, amazing! So stand up was not as lucrative for me. The impressions <laughs> right. did not net as much, but you know, but but the fun of stand up, obviously, you know, I mean, we've all done it. Um, is that especially when you're in clubs and you've done, you, you sort of get an ear for what's going to be funny sounding. And so when you're in the room, you kind of, you just, you sort of figure yeah. out the the economy of getting a joke across. And then also you just build so many jokes that are half jokes that aren't good enough to be like a full on stand-up joke. But in the middle of a scene, you're like, Oh, I have a joke from 1997. That'll <laughs> that <I can> slot <laughs> in here. That seems like I just thought yes. of it. Um, yeah, it's true. I do remember like when I first started uh, like open mic nights and I had jokes written down, and you talk about the economy of words, like when you're on stage, jokes that on a piece of paper looked like jokes to me, 
but then you go up and do it in front of an mm -hmm. audience <laughs> and it's just interminable <laughs> and you learn so quickly like you said the economy of words and i was learning how to cut out all the unnecessary words even unnecessary syllables to get to the joke as quickly as possible because it's very different when there's just people staring up at you, <laughs> yes. uh, like, come on, come on, get there. Make me laugh. <laughs> yeah, Alec, and I, Alec and I used to refer to just, I mean, I, I think it was when we also went in a sketch group, but just like our, our version of going on stage for stand-up was always the end of Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Like, you just come out <laughs> shooting and you know you're going to die. Like, it's over, but like, we're going <laughs> to give it our best shot and see if we can shoot a few people on the way out. <laughs> And in high school, were you and Alec kind of friends from the beginning or were you like comedy rivals or did you just kind of click right away? Well, no, he was in he came in a year after me. So I was like the, you know, the five foot kid who came in at 14 and was like, <laughs> you know, wise ass. And and so I, I kind of had a good vibe for myself being the funny kid on campus. I mean, the, the school was like. 280 kids or something yeah. and then alex shows up and, and he lives in another dorm and they're like there's a funny kid on campus and everybody loves him I'm like who is this kid so uh yeah no see he and i you know got to know each other and then i got kicked out you know my sophomore spring so it's like we kind of got to know each other and we're in the same dorm when he was a sophomore and i was a junior and you know as that progressed and then when we're in the same dorm we would start to you know do comedy stuff together wow. and yeah. uh and that was that was really fun. Like we started to, you know, because, again, even though it wasn't my home, you're like trapped at 10 p.m. with a bunch of people your age. And yeah. so you could always you know, find somebody to play cards with or just run around and do stupid stuff with. Uh, and we would, you know, make these audio recordings or the video recordings. It was just it was a lot of fun. Like, we, you know, yeah. we'd, we'd make we reenacted uh, <laughs> like there would be like Star Trek parodies or like, you know, we did a Die Hard parody that was I mean. Bruce Willis again. Sorry. Um, yeah, no. Again, that was Norm's joke. It's not mine. Uh, but yeah, like, like, you know, it was just like, what are we doing? But it was so much fun. Uh, yeah. And yeah. And then he went off to college at Connecticut and I went off to Trinity. So we didn't really see each other for a long stretch. And then uh, and then when we moved to New York, he was uh, working at SNL uh, as an assistant. And I was working at some uh, advertising agency and we we were both. Uh, removed of our duties uh, on the same day and just decided, let's just let's go do stand up, you know, that. which which again, at the time, again, I of, of Goldie and Alec, I am the I think I made the most money with the six thousand three hundred and forty two dollars <laughs> over eight years of doing stand up. Um, they've won it. They've won in some other areas uh, of work. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that was the fun. Yeah. And and, and uh, we, we met Goldie like, you know, because we all would go to this place called Gladys's, I'm sure they've mentioned on yeah. the show. And so we yeah. bark out front and, and, you know, hand out these flyers and we'd be like, you know, cause it's just us on stage, but you pretend that it's a big show. You'd be like, <laughs> David Letterman is not going to be there. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> you're just like screaming it at German tourists to come, you know, sit and watch your thing in a language they don't speak. But it, right. you know, it worked enough that we'd get five minutes of stage time. And, and uh, it was really fun to sort of go through that circuit. And, you know, and, and also a lot of people from, what I would say our class of comics are, are all working as writers. Uh, and it's been That's nice cool. to see. Yeah. And how, how did your acts differ as standups? I feel like Goldie was trying to do some experimental stuff. Um, cool. Like nineties ish sort of. Yeah. No, that'd I mean, be more like, he wasn't, he was, he would almost be making fun of the form a little bit. And then he, <laughs> but he like, he had this like Kramer from Seinfeld hair and he just like had, had a, a certain energy on stage. And I feel like, you know, Alec was a little more, a little more in the uh, vein of topical jokes 
and you know you know like he, he had a lot of he had a lot of sort of like what you would you considered almost like late night jokes um right. oh, yeah. you know, so it really prepared him well and i think i was veering more into trying to tell a little bit of like my dad did this or i grew up you know i, I had this whole act that was i the only person i i could find who'd done it before was london lee and so i, I did this whole act about like growing up rich <laughs> and i would just yeah. and, but I, like it was terrible you know it's like because i had to keep all the names of the help straight and <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> you know which which in new york in the city played okay and everyone was like right. just do that make that your character and then when I would go like five minutes out of, outside of New York City, I'd be like, so it wasn't easy having it easy. And people would be like, boo, you were rich. I'm like, I, I, was like, I, I took a bus here. I'm getting paid $25 and I have to pay for my food. You know, let's like, kill this guy. Yeah, let's kill this guy. It was like, that, that was kind of the, the my first introduction to there are two Americas. But I was just like, no, I'm, this is irony. I, I have Don't nothing. I, <laughs> John, I feel like you can you can tell us a crucial part of the Alex Sulkin or origin story which is when did he start smoking weed was that 14 do you remember it in high school or was it uh, uh when was it you know i was i was very naive to to weed for the most part i was not to drinking but i was naive to to weed and i feel like there was one day on at trinity that i was walking around the campus i might have been a senior or a junior and uh and i was walking and this this jesus figure like walked along you know, almost floated along the grass towards me. And I was like, <laughs> why is Jesus coming for me? I, what if, I, I mean, I guess it's good. I'm not ready. And then, and then he got close and he started smiling. It was Alec and he had like fully long hair and a huge beard. And I, oh, wow. Yeah. And I had not seen him wow. in you know three years. So I, it went from like fresh faced kid who can't grow any facial hair to like, you know, long hair. I was like, oh my God. Wow. So I assume, I assume at some point that's when that, it was discovered. that happened. Yes. It was like Barney having his first beer on The Simpsons. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's great. So we'll like flash forward then. Like, so you wind up out here in, in what year? Like when Family Guy? No, no. I, or, I, or were you out here for acting? Out here is LA. Well, I, I, at some point I was like, all right, I, if I'm going to go to LA, I'm going to have to do it. And uh, Alec at the time, uh, he and Wellesley, uh, who's his writing partner for a while, they both moved out to LA and they were working at the Late Late Show. And then about three years into them being there, uh, you know, I, I had met everybody at the show. And then Matt Harowitz, who at the time was helping book uh, the comedians, you know, saw my tape. And he's like, oh, you can come do stand up on the show, which was amazing. I got four and a half minutes. Yeah. And to this day, my father hasn't watched it. But according to like, he, my sister, <laughs> my sister watched it. And then my and then my father <laughs> called me and said, well, I didn't see your set and I don't care for the material, but if your suits don't fit you, you need to have them tailored. Oh my God. <laughs> so apparently my sister said that the suit was too, too big or something. too big on me. Um, so that, that was the takeaway, but, but I, I did my, my rich guy, you know, fake rich guy set. And then they, you know, I, they actually said, if you'd like, we have an, a warm up position. So if you'd like to possibly be one of our warmups, you, you could try that. So I eventually like, I was like, I've been waiting to have a job. I don't want to come out and work in a shoe store. Right. So like, you know, I don't want to be the person who comes out to LA and then you don't have a job. And also I was totally. working in New York and had like a paying gig and a life sort of. And uh, so then I, I came out and I was, you know, I did that for like two months. Then I got fired and then I wound up working at a shoe store, um, which was <laughs> Ironically. exactly the thing I didn't want to do. And uh, yeah. And don't I, I, you think warm up <laughs> is the most horrible job on the planet? Didn't you find it awful and horrifying? Well, 
the thing is, you think it's going to be one thing and it's not. And I know Mike's done it. And it's like, yeah. you th you think that your job is to go through there and be funny. Your job is to keep their energy up and to just basically like, no, over here, over here, over here. Like you're basically an adult with a rattle trying right. to keep, <laughs> keep them from being upset and like keep their energy up. And so it quickly devolves from you like writing topical jokes to being like, where are you from? Like, what, you know, what's your area code? It's like, oh, I know Decatur. Oh, oh these people. Uh, and, and my energy was not, I would, I you know, cause it's, it's a complete shift. And I, if I had sort of the mental capacity to like sort of have a duality of, or, or dichotomy yeah. of self, I would have been able to like have done it better. But yes. I, but my ego was still too attached to like, I'm a funny guy. I should be this. Um, right. So yeah, it, and I mean, when we were on dads, you know, it's like, or, but multicams, like, I don't know how those guys do it. Cause I only had to do an hour of keeping people excited when you have three hours. I mean, that, that one guy who like, you know, balances a, a ladder on his chin. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I did it. Whoa. I did it one time and I'll tell you the date of the one time I did it. September 12th, 2001. No. This was my one <laughs> job. It was for a game show and I had to do eight hours of warm up oh, no. because they, they taped tape for eight hours. Yeah. And what I was so bad. And halfway through the day, one of the tourists, they bust in the crowd, pulled me aside and he goes, uh, hey, he's like, hey, man, um, have you seen Brody Stevens do warm up? He's really good. You should be studying him. Oh <laughs> it's, like, it's like a guy on the bus is like counseling me. Oh my god! Terrible, terrible oh job. God. Well, I I love that they were. It was September twelfth. Yeah, and they decided wow. we we've got a this game we show gotta, must go on. This, uh, bring in the guy who's never done warm up to cheer everyone up for eight hours. Eight. Oh man! And then how do you go get to writing? Oh, uh, it's probably related to the shoe store, but I was losing my mind. And uh, <laughs> there was basically a, a, a short film that I uh, that a group of us like Alec and I and two guys, Daniel Milder, and Josh Weinstein. We were in a not not from Simpsons, another one. Oh, OK. Uh, and <laughs> we were in a sketch group and Alec had written a, a sketch that I'd helped with. And then I rewrote and we turned it into a film with Eddie Pepitone. And so we we started to. Uh, to, we got into Sundance and with this, the shorts and we got into this other thing. And so it got me more into like, maybe I should focus on writing because there was a, an opportunity to try to sell something through writing. And then I needed to write a, uh, a spec, obviously. So I started writing a, uh, or everybody loves Raymond. And, in, and this was at the time that Alec had, I think they were working with, wasn't it Walidarski and I forgot. Jay Colgan. And yeah. 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 I think they, yeah, they, yeah. They, they had shifted over to that. So they, they kind of were like, Hey, you know, this is this is the way to go, like because late night writing, as you can see from my two bad jokes, was like I was not a good topical joke writer, even though I got to fax jokes in for a while at the Late Late Show and got them on occasionally, which was because, you know, Alec helped me a lot and, and Wellesley was helpful. But, it, you know, at some point I was like, I'm better at character than I am at just straight jokes. So I, I said I also I'm like, I'm in L.A. and I'm trying to be an actor and it, even a compliment sucks because it's like ah, you're too handsome for this part. It's like, or whatever, like, whatever the reason is you didn't get the job, you didn't get the job. So it doesn't, it's just like, no, you're just right. too smart. Or right. you're, you're too good looking. You're just you're too, too tall. You're too like, but I was like, whatever yeah. the reasons are, it's like, I, I don't look right with the other. And like, I, I had a commercial that I was in, but like the money was, had run out. And anyway, so I just was like, I, I'm going to, I have to try writing. So I really focused on that. And then fortunately at the time, they, they were friends with Seth uh, McFarlane and I got to meet Seth through, just being social because Seth uh, Family Guy was off the air at that time. And I think he was quietly developing 
American Dad. So I hung out with Seth and we were doing karaoke a lot together and and I was trying to act, but I was writing at the same time. And and I, you know, there was basically the the Christmas vacation in 2003, which or whatever Christmas, it wasn't vacation for me because I was out of work all the time. So everything was vacation. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> that's the problem with L.A. is you come out to L.A. You're like, this is beautiful. But when you're not working, you're like, do you play tennis all day? I'm like, no, because I'm so afraid of that, I, that I'm going to right. fail and go home. So exactly. I, I, I exactly. can't enjoy myself. Uh, I'm still I, I'm still back. I, you're too good looking. You know, to do this. Like, I, I'm not saying I was too. Wait, just, I would I would have killed for just once. If somebody, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just saying when, it's like, when I walk in, like you must be funny. Uh, <laughs> John, what what was it like? What was it like those days of Family Guy? Because that's really like that's this incredible. When you were there, when the show really exploded, and, yeah, what and, years? And such a long stretch. And I got there late, very late in the game. And when I was getting there, I was always told, like, there were these legends of, like, oh, the mean family guy room. Oh, watch out. You'll be cut to shreds by those sharp-tongued bastards. You're, still say you're in for it. And then I got there and I met these people. I was like, oh, no, they're funny. They're telling jokes. They're making, like, roasty jokes. And it's funny. What, what was it like being there at that time? Uh, well, I mean, it, I, I can't believe it's now, like, actual history. You know, like, is it, yeah. a lot of the people are still Lore. there. But, I mean, it was... First of all, it was amazing to have Seth and Alex and Mike Henry, who were on the show, who were funny writers and pitching funny jokes in the voices of the characters. Yeah. So it was just like if if Seth says a line as Stewie, it and we all laugh. You 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 know America just laughed. Like it's right. It was like a great litmus test, and it made yeah. you know it was exciting. And and also I just you know and I, I even even if it was maybe mildly dysfunctional, I think there was definitely a family vibe to it like in sort of a like you were basically all brothers and sisters giving each other noogies um, yes. and it was and and it, it so at no point did it ever really feel as much like a job as it did like we're making something together like it, it I don't know I, it felt very communal and I think to this day it's like I don't you know I've I've gone back and forth you know, I've gone into other jobs and gone back and it's you know it's the same even when new people come in it's just you know it's this it's the same place and it but at the time there was you know there was a little more freedom in that era to write very nasty, drunken emails. Um, and, you know, at one point we were like, we were hiring an, a writer. They needed, there was a space available. So one of the assistants in the office got promoted to be a writer. And at the time, and I, I think I wrote an, an email saying, congratulations, welcome. I can't believe of all the comedy writers in the world, the one was sitting under our nose the whole time. It was the person who got my, my meal order wrong every day. Um, but, you know, and so it was just like, you can't you can't welcome somebody with an insult. I'm like, well, this is what it's going to be like. You have to be ready because yeah. I, I stayed up late writing jokes all the time. Like like now a lot of people just sort of waltz in a little easier than they did back then. Like I was it took me till I was in my 30s to get this job and I defended yeah. it with my life. And I was like, there's I, I stopped doing stand up because I was right. like, why would I go do a joke for free over here if it can I'm keep me employed paid. and I can share it with a lot more people through this show, you know, oh, that's, that's a great, a great point too about the staying up all night. Yeah. I used to do that, you know, all the time. And I would jot like joke pitches in the margins of my script. And then with, during the day we'd be rewriting a, a, a script and I would have my script. I would always keep it kind of under the table or kind of tilted <laughs> toward me. And then would just do like, Hey, what if, you know, <laughs> like it was on the spur of the moment? Like, what if uh, they said something like this very scripted <laughs> joke that I wrote last night at three in the morning? 
Uh, and I would just to get comfortable with my voice in the room pitching jokes. I already have the jokes written and just kind of pretend I was coming up with them on the spot till I got comfortable enough that I could think clearly in the room without the pressure of putting the joke together in my head and all that stuff. So I think that's a great lesson for all writers about like that staying up at night and really coming in prepared, uh, but also adding the faking that you just came up with. (laughs) Aaron, do you know anything about that? (laughs) <laughs> uh, something just occurred to me, John. That was that was what I would when John and I were on the Cleveland show together. I think my tell was I would say something just occurred to me, and that became that became the impression of me. To, that, that I did not know everyone for a full season was walking around going something just occurred to me right to my face and I was like I guess that's a catchphrase on the show I didn't get that it was supposed to be me until Mike Henry walked into one of our rooms one day wearing a pair of fake glasses holding a baby carrot as a penis saying uh, I'm Aaron Lee something just occurred to me I was like ah I see it's an impression oh my of me and my pitching technique <laughs> well, but like beyond the tell, and this was, I mean, as a compliment to Aaron, it's like he would come in. This just occurred to me. And then it was a three act structure with a B story. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, like I was like, wait, wait a minute. How did you just, exactly. how did this just occur to you? <laughs> there's seven moves in this. How did you do that? Um, but yeah, no, it, it, there's a, and I, I mean, every time I'd hand in a family guy script, I would get sick because I would like not sleep the last three nights. Cause I would just be like, and I, and I tried to figure out different ways. Like there was one time and I still don't know why I did this. I laid out every page of the script on the floor and walked around just so I could like actually see the chunks yes. of it and how much each space, you know, like how many pages each area was, you know, like I, I was just trying to figure this out. Yeah. No, the terror of turning in a script to this oh day, God. every time you turn in your draft of a script, uh, it's still that same feeling of wondering, are they reading it? Is anybody liking it? <laughs> like, yeah, I can the, imagine. You know, why haven't I heard anything? It's, it's been four minutes. Exactly. Why is no one telling me? You? <laughs> yeah, for me, it never goes away. I don't, I don't know what it is. And I think it's probably a good thing. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, do you, do you, are you almost addicted to that feeling of like that nervous rejection ish type of feeling? That, that pathetic neediness. <laughs> uh, absolutely. <laughs> it's my life force. <laughs> was there ever a scenario, let's say on Family Guy, if you turned in a script that you, you got bad feedback and it was just horrible or is it like what happens? It never happened to me uh, at all. (laughs) It was always, uh, but I'm sure maybe John could speak to it. (laughs) But like, how does, what is the thing that you're most afraid of that, that happens, you know? Well, you, I mean, you're afraid that your script's going to get thrown out and your job's over. Oh, they would Uh, throw it out. (laughs) And that's, I mean, honestly, I I don't know. I I felt like Mike was kind of saying this, but there's like, even like now, I mean, Mike's worked for a million years and and Aaron and I've worked for, you know, two thirds of a million years. And it's like, anytime I get a script, it might be the last script I write. And that might be the script somebody reads to hire me for something else. So even if you're like, oh, this one, you know, they've already paid me. I'm just going to crap it out. Like you'll still wake up at 4 a.m., bolt up in bed and go, I have, this is not an axe blow that I can have my name attached to. Um, But to answer your question, I mean, like, you know, there've been times where you get sent out on, on a story that, they decide, oh, something else came up or another show has done something similar or in the actual writing of it, it doesn't work. Um, yeah. But and and 
you know, you learn to let like, I mean, now now I can do it because I'm just like everything to me feels modular. I just I'm proud of the work I do as much as I can be. But like, yeah, you know, there was a whole sequence where Seth came in on one of my earliest scripts when I really like was holding on tight. And the whole (laughs) first six pages was that the Griffins go have a beach day. And then Seth came in and goes, do people even go to the beach? (laughs) And then then it was just like, and then I just watched uh, six pages get slowly highlighted and then they disappeared. (laughs) And I was like, that that was four days. That was like four days of sweating and eating like handfuls of, of Brazil nuts. Yeah. It's like because anytime you yeah. can't get the joke, you're like, ice cream will fix this or nuts yeah. will fix this. Or, <laughs> and I'm not defending that, you know, like, obviously, there was a situation where maybe parts of Quagmire's body, he was under the sand and maybe things had been shaped out of sand on top of him. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, there's just like, you know, there were times where it's just like Seth would be off a certain kind of joke. But the week before he was he liked that area. So you didn't know that that was a no-go zone. So you brought something in and it'd been like, oh, we just sort of went, we're in that area. Let's not do that. I mean, I I had a joke in my script that I was really proud of, like my first script. It was uh, Cleveland. It was the Castaway episode. So they're all on this deserted island and they're getting bitten by bugs. But uh, Cleveland is not getting bitten by bugs. Like, why is that? And he goes, oh, because I, you know, you know, when I, when it comes to bugs, you know, I use off. You can't beat off. You know, you could try as hard as you want, but you can't beat off. Um, and I was like proud of this, my, my beat off joke. And then, and then I came in the, the room and then there was a joke yeah, where it was just like uh, Lois comes into the bar and she's wearing a jacket and they're like, oh, jacket off, jacket off. So then I was like, so my joke just went away. Uh, but but it's just, you know, like but the, the big part of that is like, you know, is caring. You know, like, like yeah. if you don't care a little bit, if you don't get mad when your joke is killed, you're not doing it right. You you don't have to carry it with you, but right. like I, I can still I, I can watch pages. I can watch an act of my episode get thrown away, usually not because it's not funny, but like, oh, we've shifted to a different kind of story. But I'm right. still going to carry that with me is like, well, I, you know, like it doesn't feel good. Right. And the other thing that's so hard about it is since we're in a subjective business, like everything that we think is funny, like suddenly you know, in 2023 may not be as funny as it was in, you know, 2005. Right. And so you, you suddenly are like, you're being, you know, you're in a different audience and that's, you know, it's hard to to gauge. So it's, I don't know. It's like, you never know what the response is to your thing until you get it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's true. And like I said, you know, turning that script in is so terrifying. Like apparently I had a thing I did. I didn't realize that the writers point out when I was, running the Simpsons, you know, when people turn their scripts and, you know, you're still in that mindset of a writer who's waiting to hear, yeah. you know, the reaction to the script. And apparently, and it's a running joke on the Simpsons to this day, if I'm in the room, somebody turns in a script. Apparently I used to always go, all right, a lot of funny stuff in here. Uh, let's see. You know, I guess <laughs> I just, so <laughs> now nice. whenever I'm in there, like, you know, I, I turned in a, a, a script recently for the show and, is somebody, I think it was Dan Grady, he goes, a lot of funny stuff in here, Mike, funny stuff. <laughs> but yeah, and watching your stuff get cut is hard, but you also too made a good point about when you're out on script and you realize the story doesn't work. Like mm. when you're in the room and people are laughing and there is like a certain momentum of we need to, you know, solve this story today and get a draft started. Sometimes that can fool you into 
throwing the writer out with a story that oh. doesn't make sense. But for some reason, when you're in the room, I get it. I get it. Yo, yeah, don't worry. I got it. I got it. And you get home and it just is a disaster. Like nothing makes sense. And then you have that fear of, do I, you know, call the showrunner and say, hey, listen, there's like giant problems with this story you personally approved. <laughs> I, I, like, and, and I think writers live in such fear of this stuff that when I said I came into Family Guy late, one thing that was funny for me was, you know, Seth was not in the room by the time I got there. And there were so many things where you would pitch a joke like, oh, it's a cutaway where a zombie is drinking a do Dr. Pepper where Seth said zombies aren't funny. What? <laughs> one time seven years ago, Seth said zombies aren't funny. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I'll never mention zombies again. Like they, they all remembered any time oh, yeah. Seth ever said you something know, he didn't like. Yeah. A banana peel is not fine to slip on an orange peel. Is oh, okay. We'll we'll change <laughs> that to orange right away. Yes, yeah. So we're all in that preservation. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, family, I remember you know, my brother Brian wrote on the show for ten years. You guys both, you know him, and. Uh, he thought it was kind of a notoriously tough room, uh, probably more so in the early years than now. Uh, Brian you know, always told me, like, at Family Guy, if you have to go to the bathroom, you wait until there's a break because you don't want to leave the room while all the writers are in there. He goes, because inevitably you'll close that door behind you and there will be a giant explosion of laughter <laughs> that you can be pretty sure is at your expense. <laughs> Yeah, like any any time you come back from the bathroom, Tom Devaney will say, "Oh, oh, you are here today." <laughs> oh, there he is. I have that old. <laughs> that guy was the master, and he was not only about when you were out of the room. He was a master, like like a great ventriloquist, like Edward Bergen at his peak, <laughs> of saying something out of the side, this side of the mouth that you weren't on, so you couldn't hear it. Yeah, <laughs> huge oh. laugh over here. Then you'd go, "What?" And he'd go, "Hmm." <laughs> he was, he, that was that was an incredible skill of his. Uh, I have a couple Tom sound bits. Uh, there he is. Do we need it? <laughs> there you go. Wow, that's, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's great. I can't believe you got those. That's great. I have those. I've had them since day one. <laughs> right, and in terms of like your you know acting job, I know you kind of downplay it, but like as if you haven't done a lot, but. You have. We we did some looking at the resume, and uh, we know first of all you've got a, a marvelous Mrs. Maisel coming up. Well, yeah, it just it just came out because the season. Uh, actually, there are a number of shows that I am in the penultimate or ultimate last episode of because it goes off the air when I'm in it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I I was given a part. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's a glorified extra, but I love it. And uh, Dan Palladino, who uh, I never actually wrote with at Family Guy, but uh, he found a role for me in an episode he wrote uh, in the last season. And it was it was at the roast. Everyone's doing a roast of Susie, which is, you know, Alex Borstein's character. So I was on set for like 10 days and, you know, they they, wow. they did such an amazing job. I mean, like that's I, I feel like that was hearkening back to like old Hollywood where they'd keep 100 extras and holding for four days. You know, like so cool. yeah. every, yeah. every shot is just beautiful. And it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I had, of course, that always happens. I have, you know, more lines than make it to the air. But uh, <laughs> but but yeah, it was it was fun. And, and uh, I, you know, I. I was pursuing acting for a while. I, I think it's really hard. Like most of the jobs I've gotten have been sort of 
like, or I did a bunch of Conan sketches because I was friends with writers over there. And they're like, oh, John, oh, cool. like Pete Holmes does a Batman impression. Right. So they brought me on as like Superman versus Batman when that movie Perfect. came out, you know, <laughs> seven years ago or whatever it was. And we were in small claims court about a hedge uh, that we were arguing <laughs> over. But it was just sort of like fun that, that, you know, I could get put in things here and there. Um, but the pursuing of the of the work is just so... It was so hard on me, you know, and uh, totally. But I, but I love doing it when I do it, and and like you know, Seth was very kind to put me in like the first TED movie. There are a ton of scenes yes. that are on the DVDs, which no one now has. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like I had probably you know, I had like a, a one and a half minute or two minutes of screen time that were cut out, and I had like maybe thirty seconds of just uh, me and uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg in a scene. Where he's, wow. you know, he's uh, he's high at the party and I'm talking to him after I've like made out with this, the pretty girl from the, the car rental place. But, you know, like, but being on set was so exciting and you never know what's going to make the final cut. And, right. and, yeah. and, you know, I, I got to do, uh, you know, a reasonably good sized part on uh, Arrested Development a while back. And oh, wow. I, I, the, the hard part for me in it is that when you are not a member of the cast, like everybody in uh, yeah. on the cast, yeah. everybody's joking around. Like even when we were at dad's, you know, and they made me take off my shirt and show my fat writer's room stomach. <laughs> um, like I had been in really good shape up until I got hired. And then I went on the Skittles diet because we have to get jokes and Skittles will get me to the joke. But then I'll get fat. But then with no notice, I, I like I read at the table just to like, like, all right, hunky guy. Is we made it as a male? Uh, did you talk about this on the show ever? Or no. Okay. No. So I don't think so. So we did a table read where where the two the two guys, which is Seth Green and Giovanni Ribisi. So Seth Green hires a maid, but they're in San Francisco, and it's like instead of you know, like he needs a maid, and he gets like a hunky. I was like, let's just get some like twenty five year old model, you know, to come in. And so I read at the table like, no, you're gonna do it. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna do it. And they're like, it shoots in five days. Like I, I can't even lose a pound in five days. What? I, no, don't. And then and then Alec was like, no, you're doing this. And I go, no, I don't want to do this. He goes, no, it's happening. You're doing it. Get ready. You're gonna be on the thing. I'm like, I don't want to. So I, of course, go. And, and there was a funny bit where it's like, because I'm much taller than Seth Green. So I did a thing where I'm like standing behind him, getting all the laundry for a basket. And then I like make him raise his arms so I can take his sweatshirt off of him like a child. You know, it's like, but I'm yeah. sitting there walking around with no shirt on the whole time. <laughs> and I was like, this is not what I wanted out of my career. It's like, you know, the Hemsworths of the world get, you know, six months of professional training to look exactly. great. And you gave me five days notice. Also, I had just gotten like this amazing, like impossible to get reservation at, at whatever it was, the hot restaurant at the time. It was the next night. And I was like, I've been waiting four months to go eat like expensive pasta. Can I just, so I had to like, it was, a, it, anyway. But so that's like acting that's should great. be like, oh, I look great on camera. Or I like, I get to feel like yeah. I experiment with something. And instead it's like, look at John's fat stomach. <laughs> so that, John, comedy. Have you ever turned down have you ever gotten a role on a show you liked and turned it down knowing that you would kill the show that it would end a, <laughs> yes a show i was you like enjoyed? i can't end your show <laughs> yeah the first season of breaking bad i'm like guys you're doing good work you don't want to end this here uh, <laughs> oh man and uh movie wise aaron you found uh what was well it? I was blown away to see that you played chevy chase in the gilda radner biopic Oh, I did. Yeah. How did they think of you to play a huge asshole? <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's hiding a pill addiction? <laughs> it doesn't, I, you know, when you become a method actor, 
Yeah, but I, I mean, I grew up idolizing Chevy. Like that was that you know the yeah. false sincerity comedy to me was just great. You know, yeah. you know, like you, you know, Mike Mike Scully's great as far as he knows. Like that kind of joke. <laughs> right. You know, like like at the time as a kid, you're just like, oh my god, it was you know, it was electric for me. At, you know, to be like 12, thinking like, oh, he's sarcastic. Uh, but then, yeah, I, I wound up auditioning on tape in New York, not expecting to have a shot at it because it was shooting out of L.A. And, you know, I got to got to go work for Merv Griffin. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> who showed up on set and was everything you want from Merv Griffin. Yeah. It's just, he, I don't know if he had like a uh, a feather jacket, but he just he felt like right. it's like you, you felt like he was still doing the Merv Griffin show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was a really fun experience up in Toronto. And, and I, I met my friend, uh, Mather Zickel, who's a great actor and he was on that. And there were a bunch of actors and writers were on that who've gone on to continue working and had a lot of success. So it, that, that was really fun. I, I think the thing, not that you're asking this, but one of the things I realized about family guy is you realize when you're on like the picket lines, mm-hmm. um, is when you work at a show that's successful, you don't meet anybody else. Like the oh, only yeah. way to have a lot of yeah. like contacts in the business is to work on failures and move around a lot. I know right. I'm segueing, but it's yeah. like, no, that's it's a just, really good point. But, it, but I realize, like, I love, like the thing I like most about being on a movie, even as an extra is like, I just met 10 people I, I don't know, but I, I just had an experience that was different than every other day. Yeah. Right. And as you know, you've had Danny on this show and Danny prefaces every story with, well, he starts with, I don't have any short stories, but, um, <laughs> but he's also like, I've probably told you this. It's like, yes, I, I know every story you have, but he has great stories. Yeah. But I've been in the room at Family Guy. It's it's going to be twenty years soon. Like yeah. I've watched people, you know, before they had kids, and now their kids are, you know, in college. It's yeah. like you 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 know you don't really you don't really get to get out there. And I think you know to Aaron's credit and slightly to mine, I got you know I asked at some point to go to the Cleveland show because I've been on Family Guy for a while, and I was like I, I want to play with new people, you know. Yeah. And then I and they were nice enough when that ended to allow me to come back to Family Guy. But, you know, the, a big part of comedy is or, or any of this is that you have to have new experiences and meet new people. Yeah. And and that that's where your new comedy comes out of. Otherwise, you're just sort of regurgitating, you know, the same dynamics. Yeah. yeah. And so we should get to and you've been uh, very generous with your time yeah. here. But we wanted to uh, like, like podcast like this podcast. There's a I was not. So as everybody knows, there's a running joke on the show. Whenever Alec mentions your name, he adds who wasn't asked to be part of this podcast. So random. So first, like, can you give us the backstory on this? Is it true? Well, obviously, you're not part of the podcast. Right. So apparently it is. <laughs> oh, yes. No, I was I was formally not asked to be part <laughs> of this podcast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, to be honest, and I, I have to shout out my friend G Gooder. He, he kept telling me, he's like, you know, they keep mentioning you on the podcast <laughs> and it wasn't like I was actively not listening. Like, you know, I listened, obviously, I think it was the first episode where, you know, Goldie complained about the whole thing with, with, uh, his signed, his signed book <laughs> to library, me, uh, yeah. winding up in the, the <laughs> local lending library uh, yes. with, with, uh, but you know, and you know, I, I think I think it's now been cleared up that I did not throw away right. the signed book, yes. that it was removed <laughs> without my knowledge. Now, there is some truth in I wasn't tracking where the book was, <laughs> but I didn't in any way get rid of the book. Uh, but, yeah, no, I was never asked to be part of it. And then but, but you know, I'd get mentioned a, a number of times. And so now I've listened and I, I realized I. I, I hope I'm not ruining it by existing. I mean, no. I, I liked being the the Vera to Norm on Cheers. Like, I don't think. No, we've I, had a lot of requests to have you on. 
Vera. <laughs> Again, I, I'm sorry that I've, I've broken it and that I'm here, but I do like that I'm not, I'm still technically not on their version yeah. of the podcast. <laughs> That's true. And, and that they would be upset if I was. Uh, <laughs> Clearly hasn't listened to the last episode. <laughs> right. No, I, I, I've been warned that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I listened to that last episode. Let's get into the texting Seth MacFarlane conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's. It, Mike was like, who should we have on the show? And, you know, like, I, I was like, who hasn't been on the show? Uh, but did he ever get you know, back yeah, to you, you? You did try. Yeah, I think you went, something just occurred to me. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, Seth, Seth, to his, his credit, has still not texted me back. Uh, so he's obviously not coming on today. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I appreciate that they, they mentioned me and I, I mean, I obviously would be, I'm, I'm happy to be here now, but it's just, I think it's a fun thing that they're doing. And I, you know, Alec and I've done our own stuff together and like, I love yeah. that he's doing this thing with Goldie and I think the dynamic's great. So yeah, I, yes. I, I in no way feel uh, hurt that I, I was not asked to yeah. be a, a part of this. Yeah. Guy. I mean, it, it, this is, yeah. this is not the kind of shit people want yeah, to hear. Want to be I am so I, no. <laughs> genuine humility yes. and gratitude. What no, is no, I, 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 I'm happy that they're doing their thing. I mean, I don't, I don't have to like it. Right. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We do have a, a couple of questions. Uh, what should we do, JC? Should I think we, go we should, to the... we should do Alex email. He emailed oh, yes. in a question. Do you remember that question? Do you want to just do it? I have it. it. I have it. All right. Go ahead. Will you ask Viner to do his impression of Gregory Peck taking a dump? (laughs) 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 The end. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I don't. I mean, that was a long time ago. We were just... (laughs) Oh, Alec, how about your how about your Goldie impression? We, I don't, we do I have that. a Goldie impression, dude? I think you do. <laughs> I, I don't really have a Goldie impression. That's it's just like, dude, it's not that hard. Comedy's easy, <laughs> dude. Yeah, like <laughs> you, like I loved his joke, but it, it's just like, dude, when you jerk off, you're just jerking off a guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and this is uh, <laughs> this is from Goldie, but he he prefaces it. Uh, he, this is from Goldie, huge fan of the show. <laughs> only only this episode. <laughs> uh, so what would it sound like if Michael McDonald sneezed? That was, I think we did that on Family Guy. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Um, another one from Goldie, right? Was uh, I love it that you're like we we have a lot of emails. They're from the people who run the show. Yeah. Why didn't they just text? And they still emailed you like they didn't just. No, they text, they texted. All right, okay. Yeah, no, we actually did. We did hear from people who all are giant fans of yours, and including one guy who. What did he say? What? Uh, yeah, this is from John Schwartz Bubble Blabber. Does John Viner understand that he is the greatest voice actor of all time? Um, I I think the entirety of all the agents disagree with that. 
Um, <laughs> and most casting directors. Uh, but no, I, I, I appreciate that I get to do have a great voice. the voices. And I, I don't have as much range as I would like, but I like that when I get used, I, 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 this is, I mean, when I think about like having a career, this is, I would love to do more voices, you know, and I, yeah. I'm, I'm in awe of the people who are like, really great at it, but I just love playing. So it's fun. That's very nice that someone would say that. John, this has been so much fun having you here oh my God. Uh, today. And you're, like I said, you're kind of a legendary character on the show. Yes. No, this is, this is really fun. And thank you for, uh, insisting on having me on and i'm i'm yeah you know what maybe stirring the pot's not the worst thing no yeah. not at all <laughs> you know we had a little fun you know and maybe seth will call me back someday <laughs> anyway we'll see <laughs> right after we get off you're gonna get the, i'll do it <laughs> <laughs> we got top five are you sticking around for top five sure all right and, and now it's time for top five top five did you know that's alec goldie and i john Wow, that's great. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> One of those voices is beautiful. <laughs> Will you tell us how many takes there were? I only had them sing it once, and then I, I, I edited everything else. Uh, okay. <laughs> we're not going to say, we're not gonna say pitch correct. We're just going to say edit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sweet, I sweetened it. <laughs> yes. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, this week's top five topic was sent in by Lou Schneider. Top five things you would only get if someone else is paying. All right, so... Who the hell is interrupting the show? Hello? Hello, it's Morty! Wow, legendary super agent Morty. Who do I have the pleasure of uh, talking to? Is this Alex or Goldie? <laughs> uh, it's Mike <laughs> Scully. Oh, well then there's obviously Goldie pulling a practical joke. He's the one who enjoys pulling the legs, coming up with crazy new characters. Although, Goldie, I gotta say, I think you'd have a more whimsical name than uh, Mike Scully. I, I suggest this new character be called... <laughs> Phineas Q. Soggy by the Mesquire. No, it's Mike Scully. We met at a wedding in the 80s. You were stuffing hors d'oeuvres into a Tupperware container, and I had to have Yakov Smirnoff escort you out. Oh, I remember when Yakov escorted me out of the reception. He said, what a country, and I said, what a country club. So uh, you're not the only one who uh, traded zingers with him, Mom. Uh, so anyways, obviously, I thought I was going to talk to the boys, but I'm thrilled to be talking to you. I just wanted to I've had a bit of a rough spell lately. As you know, I have a beautiful office in uh, Santa Monica, right on the beach. What, what, where was that office? What was the address of that? Well, there's no address. It was right on the beach. And uh, <laughs> we just had a, a, some rough patch now with all the rains and stuff. And um, basically, everything got washed away. Uh, do you remember that movie, 1941? Yes. Sure. Do you remember the scene where the Ferris wheel, like, rolled off the pier into the water? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, that was my Rolodex. That's exactly what happened to my Rolodex, you know. I've been in this business since uh, the mid-'70s. The Rolodex was huge, and, and like in the movie, it was not funny when it rolled off the pier. It's just, I just watched it go, and now there's some lobster crawling around the ocean floor with Raymond Burr's fax number in his claw, and I've got nothing. So that's what I'm doing. I've, I've returned to my first love, which is being an entertainer, and I was wondering if uh, you would like to hear a little bit of uh, what I'm doing now at the clubs. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely, Morty. We'd love it. Okay, well, it's a, it's a little participation from you. When you think of show business, is there any particular religion that comes to mind? Is there one religion that you think is associated with uh, show business? Um, um, I, there's probably those who would say it's the Jews. The Jews. Huh. Uh, well, uh, that kind of screws up my premise, but let, let's proceed with as if you said the Presbyterians. Because the Presbyterians are the ones who run show business. 
of many of your favorite stars who you look at on the television or in the movies, they're Presbyterians, and I'd love to do some impersonations and see if you know exactly who I'm talking about. Here's the first one. Ja, 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 Jesus loves me. Yes, I know. Um, Jimmy Stewart? Yes, that's right. How about this one? Well, Mommy and I like a jelly bean on our communion cracker. Uh, Ronald Reagan. Yes! <laughs> you're, you're jelly bean. How about this one? Well, cowboy, we're going to take that chapel and round up some Indians. Oh, the Duke, John Wayne. Actually, it's David Brinkley. But uh, <laughs> John Wayne is a president, too. Very good. <laughs> How about this one? Why don't you come up and pray sometime? <laughs> it's got to be Cheryl Crow. <laughs> no, it's me with. <laughs> but that's funny you say Cheryl Crow because she's a Presbyterian too. All I want to do is have some hymns. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm going to let you all go. Uh, wait, do, you have, do you have any contact info for Yakov Smirnov? I'm, I'm starting a new Rolodex, and he can be my third card. Morty, it's so, it's so great to hear from you, Morty. Yay. I'm going to come on next time you're hosting. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, Morty. <laughs> Bye, Morty. Oh, that was so funny. Morty, always funny. Wow. <laughs> uh, showbiz um, legend. Yes, showbiz legend. Great yes. to hear from him. I know. Tom, Gam- Tom Gamble will be so sad he missed him. I know. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> okay. Okay, so um, since it was my topic, I'll go first. Um, so my number five of top five things that I wouldn't get unless someone else was paying for, flowers for myself. I mm. actually found this topic to be really difficult. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> Why not treat yourself, JC? Why some self-care? Treat yourself. See, get yourself you'll flowers. F- you'll see that these answers are very revealing. Okay, all right. Uh, number four is a massage. I won't do it unless someone else pays for my it. My God. I know. It's weird. This is a breakthrough episode. We learned so much about you. <laughs> this one's weird, but I, I love this, and I just wouldn't buy it for myself because I find it too expensive. But caviar. It's like I love mm. caviar. But I'm like, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna no. pay for it. Um, two, jewelry. I would never just like I just I won't do it. And this then, is so what they call a subtweet to Stu. <laughs> Like yes, this is I know, so exactly, like. Yeah. Are you listening? Well, yes. that's what he yeah, said. Yeah. He's like, so this is basically a wish list. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, what he said. Yeah. But yeah. these are all Get things that he does buy for me, except for caviar, because he's vegan and it's not his thing. Um, my number one, which is off of the the topic of these, is I don't think I would pay for concert tickets because wow. I don't know. Maybe it's something like when a comedian goes to see comedy shows, they've just seen so many and they have. A lot of friends that are amazing comics. So. Whoa. And you know what? Ticketmaster's a bunch of scumbags. So yeah. good for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So next up, Aaron. Sure. Yeah, I'll go next. Okay. Top five. All right. I feel this is a much less classy list than JC's. Uh, <laughs> number five, a Segway scooter. Ooh, they're, they're, I love it. They're goofy. They're kind of silly. I don't need one, but it'd be kind of fun if I yeah. was like a guy with a Segway. If someone That's else cool. dropped one off, sure. Yeah, I'll take That's a Segway cool. scooter. Yes, okay. I like that. Number four has like a goldy connection, a fancy globe, Ooh. a globe in your house. I it, love it, Goldie used to have a globe in his office at Family Guy. I thought it was very classy. <laughs> and one day, Seth MacFarlane called me out of the blue and said, hey, someone just sent me a globe. Was it you? <laughs> I was like, uh, no, no, maybe try Goldie. He's a globe guy. And then, uh, and I asked Seth later, was it Goldie? He said, no, I don't know who sent me the globe. Oh, that's. (laughs) I think it would be very cool to be a fancy globe guy. 
Number oh, yeah. three, this is a little different direction with this topic. Dessert. Like, you would... I, I obsess over my weight at all oh. time. I won't order dessert. But if someone else at the table says, I'm going to get dessert, will you have a few bites? <laughs> the, the calories don't enter my body with those magic words. And so I'll always say, yes, wow. if you're buying, I will, I will get it. Uh, wow. Number two is a pinball machine. And, Ooh, and I'll tell you no. why. I'll tell you why. Our house isn't that big. It's a clunky, dumb man cave guy thing to have that sucks up a lot of power, is loud and bright. And my wife would be so annoyed. But if someone else, well, it was a gift. We can't turn right. away this ugly, loud yes, thing with a bikini hints. woman on the back glass. And we, I'm so sorry, but someone bought it for me. So that, that would be number two. And then awesome. number one. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. And, uh, you say my very first day at The Simpsons, uh, I go into my, they give me an office. I go in there and there's a Simpsons pinball machine in the office. Oh. And I, I thought this is the greatest job ever. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I was like, I've got a pinball machine in my office. And for the whole <laughs> first year, I was like, my biggest concern was, boy, someday I'm going to leave here. I'm going to have to get this thing out and take it home. <laughs> uh, and it, uh, one day John Swartzwelder called and said, hey, is my pinball machine still in there? You're in my old office. Uh, and then he sent somebody to pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. Imagine you took it home. Told you, you can have it back if you carry it out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Otherwise. And then my number one is a little more in the dessert mode. And, and we'll say this has an Alec connection. Uh, number one is is marijuana of any type. Oh, weed. I'm not buying it. I'm gonna go. But if my wife and kids are out of town and I'm at a party and someone goes, "Hey, wanna want hit of this weed?" Or yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, you paid for it. Fine. Yeah. yeah, want half an edible? No, I'll take a quarter though. Okay, but that's a number. I would never buy it myself. But sure, go ahead. Yeah, that's a good one. Very good. Great list. Very good. All right, uh, I'll go next. I'd love it yeah, if Mike yeah, was I, all I, massage. I'd yeah. love it if Mike was also <laughs> massage flowers. Yeah, we did have a, like a slight overlap. Oh, I, I had a little trouble with the topic too, thinking like the the scope of things yeah. that you could, you know, I, I wasn't sure. So anyhow, so the first one was a shot of Yamazaki 55-year-old scotch. <laughs> um, yeah. I I was at a restaurant opening once that my daughter was working at and she was showing me the bar and like, you go ahead, you can get any drink you want. It's the first night the drinks are free. And yeah, you know, and I said, What are those way up top? And she names off it's like Japanese, it was Yamazaki Scotch. And I said, How much is it? She said it's like $75 for a shot. Awesome. <laughs> I said, That's insane. No, like, who would want that? That's ridiculous. No one's ever going to buy it. She said, Well, everything is free tonight. I said, Oh, I'll have one. <laughs> so, anyway, I, I enjoyed it, never had it again. Nice. Uh, let's, uh, next, number four, just a tiny bit of high grade heroin. <laughs> just, just, a, just a smidge. Um, you know, non-addictive and non-lethal kind. Oh, right. right. That is, yeah. Right. Uh, number three is courtside seats um, oh, for yes. a basketball game. I, I'm, I'm not a giant basketball fan, but I like the Very idea different. of just being part of the scene there with, you know, Jack and Larry David yes. And, yes. And, and maybe Diane Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Get Morty back. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. That's a good uh, one. Yeah. Number two, uh, hair plugs, but good yeah. ones. Right. You wouldn't yeah. pay for that. Uh, no, no. I, I would, as I look the back of my head, it's, it's thinning and it's yeah. starting to bother me. Uh, <laughs> and I do find myself kind of gl- glancing at ads online. <laughs> <to> think, <laughs> Oh, or I guess the alternative is a hair system. Right. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the number one thing I would, ha- if someone else would pay for this, a home recording studio in case I wake up in the middle of the night with a hit song in my head. I <laughs> 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 I always, I always think if I had a home recording studio, man, I would be cranking out the hits <laughs> for some reason. But that That's was the only thing amazing. holding me back. Right. Anyway, so John, on That's to really you. That's really good. I just love the idea that, that you just have a, a technician trapped in there waiting for you to. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> He's going to get it one of these days. Uh, yeah, I had, I, I had a little overlap site, but I, uh, I knew that would happen. Um, so I, I don't think I, I don't think historically I have I. A lap dance. Oh, <laughs> like, that's a good one. I, I just, that's you know, it seems like something that, sure. like, someone's like, yeah. you're get getting one. I'm like, I'm not getting one. No, you're getting <laughs> one. I'm like, uh, so that that would be one. Uh, obviously, uh, a private plane uh, ride. If you it's right. going, like, any, if anyone invites me anywhere, it doesn't matter where it's going. You could tell me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm literally that's going. That's a good one. Yeah. Going to, yeah. Yeah. I'll do it. Um, yeah. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the the alcohol. I was going to say, I would not, maybe, no, I, I don't think I could pay for a cruise. Like, I just, mm. I mean, it just seems like yeah. something that, like, someone has to be like, we're all going on a family cruise and we got you. It's, I don't know. I just, I can't yeah. do the cruise <laughs> thing. Like, like, well, I mean, the also, cruise, why oh. am I spending money if I know I'm just going to get pushed off? Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> um. If someone else is paying, I would probably go see Chris Angel in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. It was it was touted a lot in the uh, Duncanville writers room that that Chris Angel is a good show, but I don't. <laughs> yes, oh, that's. But I don't think I could do it. And this is where I lose Mike as a friend. I couldn't pay five thousand dollars for Springsteen tickets. Ah. But if you took me, I would <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> And that's your number one. Yes. That's your number one. I yeah, was like, I just, I, I couldn't in good, I mean, I know he needs the money because he's an artist, but um, <laughs> these guys are starving. That's our, um, that's our overlap. So. But I would go, I'd have a great time, but I just can't, yeah. I can't do that's it. That's a great I've list. Never, I've never paid that much for one ticket. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Okay. So that was a great list. And then do you have the topic for next week's episode? Uh, y- oh yeah, John, you get the honor of picking this. So Alec Goldie and JC have to come up. And yes. and since uh, John Viner was not asked to be a part of this <laughs> podcast, uh, it would be the top ten Johns of all time. Five. I love wow. ten. Top ten. Top five. No, no, take the reins. This is why you weren't asked to be part of the podcast. No, this is your shot, John. Take the reins. Like top ten. Make them do ten. This is literally like every Family Guy table read where it's like I, I've done every part right, and then I got the I can't nail the landing. I just stutter on one word. Wow. Wow. That's just. Everyone closes their laptop. That was perfect. Um, anyway. That's amazing. All right, so top John, five. Anyway, thank you for having me. That's great. Yeah, John, that thank was you so, best. so much yeah. for being here. Thank you. It, really, it was hilarious and great stories. Really a kick to have you on here. Yeah. 
All right. You're the best. It was good to be a part of this podcast, finally. Yeah. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) All right. Take care, guys. All right. Take care, John. Bye, John. (laughs) That was great. That turned out really well. Yeah, John's hilarious. (laughs) He's hilarious. I can't wait to hear Alec and Goldie tear him to shreds next week (laughs) for what a bad job he did. (laughs) They won't be able to. (laughs) All right. And we'll wrap it up. It's time for the high note. Tom and Max. Tom, Tom and, and Max. Max. And it sounded like a little bit of Morty. Uh, yeah, a little Morty in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So high note. Who who goes? What's the order on this, Jason? <laughs> I can go first. Um, I know we're not allowed to do this, but it, technically, it's not the guest. It's the whole thing. I feel like this episode was so unique from beginning to end. It was quite an experience. <laughs> Um, a lot of funny stuff in there. A lot of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's that's what I'm hearing right now. Yeah, is, yeah a lot of funny stuff. Well, all right, we got, mean, work, we got work to do. But no, but I guess what I'm saying is from beginning to end of the very first text messages of us organizing this, the phone calls, I enjoyed every moment of it. Uh, There's never a moment where I felt stressed. There was never a moment where I was just like, is this a good idea. It's always felt like a good idea. You guys have been great. And, um, I'm grateful that we did this. I mean, of course I miss you, Alec and Goldie, but, um, it's been great with, with, with you, Mike and Aaron, and also John, who was asked to be a part of this podcast. So that is my high note for this week. Oh, very good. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> nice, nice to have someone say something good after working with me. Yeah, something positive. It's nice. Uh, I would love to go next, and uh, I'm going to do – I'll take the schmaltzy Goldie thing he would do, and I'm going to say Father's Day was the high note this week. Uh, awesome. Had a great time with my wife and two daughters. Uh, we went – they know I love Wes Anderson, so we went to see the new Wes Anderson movie, Asteroid oh, wow. City. Oh, cool. Yeah, so, so that, was, uh, that was my uh, schmaltzy high note this week. And That's then second nice place one. would be this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a nice one. Uh, all right. Uh, my high note is, uh, first of all, I want to say uh, a huge thank you to Alec and Goldie for – uh, giving me an opportunity and trusting me with their, you know, hundred million dollar property, <laughs> intellectual property that they have here, um, and also, but a special thanks to uh, JC, mm. who has like, talked me through this whole process and uh, on the the roller coaster of joy that it's been <laughs> to get here today. But my, my actual high note is a little schmaltzy uh, myself. Uh, I uh, went back east uh, last week, and I, I hadn't seen friends and family since before the lockdown started. Yeah. But and it was fun to see all of them. But in particular, I saw my uncle Ronnie. His name is Ronnie Drum, mm-hmm. and he's uh, eighty-nine years old now, and he, he's a jazz trumpet player. Oh, wow. And he had his own big band when I was a kid. And to me he was always just like the coolest guy alive and kind of my first introduction to show business uh, because he would play with like big name entertainers who would come through New England. He not only was a cool musician and everything, but he also was kind of like a second dad. And I'm only saying second dad just on the off chance 
my dad can still hear from beyond. Uh, I'll say second dad, but we know. Right. Uh, uh, He would take us to, we would rent ice to play hockey at like three in the morning. He would load, you know, everybody into the station wagon and take us there. Just the coolest guy in the world. So I got to spend a lot of time with him while I was back there. And he once introduced me to uh, two of the three stooges. What? Uh, yeah. uh, including Mo, which was that was wow. huge. A, yeah. As like an eight year old kid meeting Mo yeah. was pretty awesome. So uh, wow. anyhow, so that the high note was sp- getting to spend note. time with my uncle Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that is it. And uh, but I before we wrap up, I want to talk about next week is the one hundredth episode of a typical disgusting display with super special guest star Mila Kunis. No. Will be here. Yeah. Yes. You're joking. Yes. <laughs> no. Mila Kunis will be here. Yes. So yes. Uh, be sure to tune Fact. in for that. And I got here for John Viner. Yeah, we got that. Yeah, we <laughs> That's got when they asked me to co host. <laughs> Jesus. Great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron Lee. Thank you, JC, Thank John you. Viner, Tom Gamble. Thanks, everyone, for listening. That is the end of our show. And goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. That was fun. And it stops right now.